check it in for everything mental health, culture, comedy, and a little bit of country. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Gerard Green, and I'm back with another episode of Check It In. So, previously, (laughs) I recorded a podcast, and the topic was pain. And I wanted to talk about my pain and the things that um, I've dealt with over the years and the things that made me who I am today. And you know how technology is, as life would have it. Um... My computer crashed, and I lost every single audio file that I recorded. And I can't really put into words, (laughs) I can't put into words exactly how I feel. So, um, but I think everything happens for a reason. And this episode is about fear. I want to have a real conversation um, about fear, about my fear. And how I'm getting through it. And hopefully somebody out there, anybody who listens that is dealing with some of the things that I've dealt with, the things that I continue to deal with, will be encouraged. Uh, So I want to start off with a story. I bet most of my podcasts I'm probably going to start off with a story. But I've told a few people this story or collection of stories and I imagine some of my friends, some of my family will be surprised when they hear it, but I'm just going to tell it, whatever. So when I was in a band, when we did gigs, when we were on tour, we would get paid and that money didn't go directly to each individual member. When we would sell merch, um, we would get paid in cash or whatever, and the cash would go in the cash box. And so our bigger gigs, um, we'd get a check. And that check would either be handed to us or it would be mailed to us. And so when the checks were mailed to us or handed to us even, those checks would sit on the table in the kitchen for weeks and sometimes months and I'm not exaggerating like those checks would sit there meanwhile when my other band members were flourishing and living their best lives I was broke and I was hungry <laughs> like like legit hungry and I had a hard time and I was afraid to ask them to deposit the checks you know the checks had to be divvied up and this that and the other but I was afraid to ask for my own money and you might ask why I was afraid and that's something that I I want to get into but that that's a longer story but yeah I was afraid to ask for that money I was afraid to ask for it and so this is what I did I would go into the cash box and I would steal my own money. I would steal money that was going to be divvied up between us. But 
a couple of my band members were in control of the finances. Y'all, I would steal just to just to get a cheeseburger from McDonald's. No lie. I would steal just to get chicken nuggets. I would steal my own money. I would take money out of the cash box so that I would have food for the next day or the next couple of days. And I had to be real strategic about how I did it. And you're probably wondering, why are you telling us this? But I want you to understand the fear and the trauma that is caused by um, gaslighting and, and uh, you know, mental abuse and, and, and things like that. So there was one particular time where I kind of felt like my bandmates were hip to what I was doing <laughs> um, because the cash box ended up being in different places inside of a bigger, our merch bag in our studio and it would just show up in different places and maybe maybe they weren't hip to it but if they weren't they are now hi guys um (laughs) so one day i waited until one of my bandmates left he went to lowe's to get some stuff he was um working on the studio and so i waited until he left And I timed how long it would take for him to leave the driveway and drive down the street. This is, this y'all gonna think this is crazy. I timed how long it took for him to return from Lowe's. And then I timed how long it would take for him to put the key in the door and open it. This is how desperate I was. And I'm not making, I'm not making this stuff up. (laughs) He was... He was going to be doing a couple of trips to Lowe's back and forth throughout the week, you know, to build the studio. And I couldn't ask him for money for food. Um, There was no food in the house. And so I did what I had to do to survive. That that's square business. I did what I had to do to survive. So um now that I had, you know, the times, you know, that it was going to take, I had the length of time it was going to take for him to do X, Y, and Z. I waited for him to leave again. I went in the studio. I, I took a mental picture of what everything looks like. This is how sad it was. I took a mental picture of what everything looked like so that when he returned to the studio, it wouldn't look like I was, you know, like something was a, was a miss, you know. And, you know, when I think about it, they're not ignorant people, so they had to have known what was going on, but they didn't confront me about it. You know, in, in hindsight, I should have said something. I should have said, I should have demanded the money, but those demands would come with a long lecture, um, and I would end up feeling badly um, afterwards. But I waited for him to leave. Um, I put my timer on. <laughs> <laughs> I took a mental picture of the merch bag and the cash box. I went to cash box and I got $20 out. And y'all, that $20 it was $20 is a is a is a small amount. But going to McDonald's because I went to McDonald's because it was the closest thing to where we lived. Going to McDonald's, sometimes I went to Subway and paying the cashier with money out of my hand. Money that I knew that I earned every single night breaking a sweat every single night getting the crowd hype every single night singing my heart out I knew 
I earned that money. I deserve that money. That money belonged to me. Not all of it, but a poor, and I, I didn't take more than what I thought that I was due, you know, um, you know, um, against the counsel of my best friends because they was like, take all that money, bro. <laughs> um, but as pitiful as it sound, it, it felt liberating just to, to pay the cashier with money out of my hand because when we would go places and we would go out to eat, if I didn't have any money, they would make me either share with them or, you know, I would get the cheapest thing if I knew that they were um, going to have to pay for the meal. But that fear, right? That fear of not being uh, bold enough to ask for money that you help make for merchandise that you created for CDs that you helped design, for CDs that you designed, for t-shirts that you designed, money that you earned, I earned that money. And I would wait for months. I wait for weeks, I wait for months for that money to be would to be deposited and distributed to me. And that was tough. And I thank God for people like my homeboy Josh because Joshua picked me up and take me to get whatever I wanted to eat. You know, it's good to have friends, people that that know you through some of your darkest times, man. And I was afraid to ask them for the things that I was owed. I was afraid to move. I was afraid to speak. I was afraid of one of them catching me drinking soda because it had too much sugar in it. I was afraid of that same person um, catching me eating Popeye's chicken because I thought it was delicious and he thought I was getting too fat. You know, talk about accountability all you want, but you know, that passive aggressive stuff, that's what we were on. That passive aggressive, like, you know, um, it was never direct. Now, you know, now if you say Gerard, you fat, you know, we might, you know, we might have to have to move some furniture around, you know, <laughs> but we, we always played it safe around each other so as not to go to that level where we outside in the grass rolling around you know and um it almost got to that point they almost got to that point um but there was one other time um man fort worth was <sighs> ironically that was heaven to me anything getting away from austin texas when we weren't doing shows was heaven but fort worth was heaven you know the the friends that i made at the time um were they were my safe haven and i remember we we'd finished a show no i'm sorry excuse me we finished a rehearsal and we didn't have any shows that week the rest of that week it was a it was a tuesday and we didn't have any rehearsals or shows for the rest of that week and I was excited. I had a little money in my pocket. I had enough for gas and then some. And I was going to Fort Worth. I was about to get out of Austin, Texas. So Wednesday until like whenever, whenever my friends got tired of me wallowing on the couch or whatever. Um, <laughs> I would run. I was like excited to run away to Fort Worth. That was my getaway. Again, that was heaven. And I was afraid to tell my bandmates where I was going 
because as long as I was in the house, they were fine. When they didn't know where I was, when they couldn't keep tabs on me, that's when it became a problem. So let me paint this picture for you. After rehearsal, I ran upstairs. So I was really excited. And one of them actually left the house for a second. And when he left the house, I grabbed a bag and I started circling my room, looking for things to throw into that bag so I could hop into that car and be gone before he got there so that I wouldn't have to answer any of his questions. If you remember that scene from The Color Purple, when Celie was about to leave with Suge Avery and she was trying to get away from Mr. Like, that's exactly how it felt for me. I was trying to hurt. I was hurrying so that they wouldn't catch me, you know, and, you know, by the time they knew I was gone, I'd be gone, you know, <laughs> oh, if that makes any sense. I was trying to hurry and get out of there. So I got all of my things. I got my bag, I, you know, my laptop, everything I needed. I got my laptop just in case they needed me to do any design work or or answer emails or things like that. And I headed downstairs. And as soon as I got to the bottom step, here come one of them. You know, he came in. Hey, Gerard, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Fort Worth. And he was like, mm, you think that's a good idea for you to go to Fort Worth? You know, we've been so productive. And, you know, the thing about it is I never questioned them when they went places. I never asked them where they were going. I never told them they had to ask permission to go anywhere. They just put things on the calendar and, well, not even that. Let me stop. Let me stop lying. They just went. They would just say where they were going and they would say it's a great opportunity and they would go. I never, I never questioned them when they went to Asia. I never questioned them when they went to Africa. I never asked questions because hell, when they would go places, that was freedom for me because I knew that I wasn't under um, scrutiny whenever they were gone. So whenever... I came down to the, you know, the the um, uh, the foot of the stairs and uh, saw him. Like my heart just dropped because I knew we were gonna have to have a conversation. Now, don't get it twisted. I was going whatever the hell I wanted to go, but I didn't want to have to have a conversation about it. So, three of us went into the studio, and my stomach was in knots. And I want you to understand that this fear that I'm talking about—it's not a fear of them beating me up or hurting me it was just this fear of awkward situations like I didn't like awkward situations because I as 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 tough as I could be sometimes I didn't want to always be the diva or always be the one that was emotional or always be the one that that got in his feelings but um and I tried to avoid conflict as much as possible so we all went into the studio he one one guy called the other guy went to the studio and um it was like the studio felt like an interrogation room. There was a light shining down on me, like a tr track lighting. No lie. It felt like an interrogation. And so uh, one of my uh, one of my buddies explained to the other one, you know, Gerard's trying to go to Fort Worth. You know, what do you think? Think it's a bad idea? I'm sitting right there, like grown, grown ass man sitting right there having to answer to them about me wanting to go away for a few days. And so... The, the one who I've known the longest, he didn't really see a problem with it. But the only reason why he had a problem is because the other dude had a problem. And so I said, I, I don't feel like I have to, 
to ask permission to go somewhere that I want to go. And y'all, what came out of this dude's mouth, he probably doesn't even remember that he said it, but I would never lie about this. He said, Gerard, man, the Bible says slaves obey your masters. Now, I want that to to sit up in your spirit for a little bit. (laughs) He said, slaves obey your masters. He was quoting a scripture out of the Bible. I'll let you find it. Google it because Google is free. So is the Bible. And man, I my heart sank, you know, I, I get now, I get a lot of responses from friends who tell me what they would have done, but <laughs> I'm not a violent person. I don't get down like that, but I didn't know how to defend myself. When you're, when you're living, when you're at the mercy of other people, when they control your finances, when they control when and where and what you eat, when and where you go, when they're when they're in control of your career, you do what they tell you to do, for the most part. Let me let me, let me you know you don't you don't raise a fuss, but you know when he said what he said, I looked at him and I said, "What did you say?" And at that moment, the other brother chimed in and he was like, "You know what? I think it's cool if Gerard goes." See, he knew me and he knew that even though you know I was being so meek and so so sorry and so pitiful, he knew that. All of that would come undone in just a few seconds because that was my tipping point. And I remember driving to Fort Worth in, in tears, crying. Just, I mean, and I can remember my mother saying this to me. and She said it to me often. She said this to me when I had strep throat and they were calling and calling and calling me to come uh, to rehearsal. Um, and I was afraid to miss rehearsal because I didn't want them to be mad at me. My mother said, son, I didn't raise you to be that way. I didn't raise you to fear men and fear man, you know, like to fear mankind, humankind. She, you know, not politically correct. You know, that's my mama. My mama is my mama. You know? So, um, and I thought about that and I was crying when I was driving to Fort Worth because, I feel like I was in a situation. I feel like I was in a nightmare that I couldn't get out of because I loved music so much. I loved it so much. I loved performing every single time. I loved the opportunities that had been afforded to me because of our hard work. And I didn't have anything else to fall back on, to be honest with you. And so um, I had to deal with that. I had to deal with what he said to me and I had to keep it moving. You know, things would happen throughout the course of my time being in a band that would blow your mind. And the core of who I was, the core, the person that my mother raised, that core began to crumble. And what I built up was this... (laughs) This beaten down, broken man who was afraid to ask 
was afraid to demand, was afraid to speak up, was afraid to breathe, afraid to walk around, afraid to travel, afraid to say yes, afraid to say no. That's that's who I built up. And so the me I am today, I'm tearing all that down. And I'm trying hard not to cuss even as I <laughs> I want to keep it keep it family friendly, but I'm tearing all of that down. Even today. Today, I can say that I'm better than I was in, in 2011 and 2012, but it's a lot of things that I still wrestle with in terms of being afraid of people, being afraid of people, because people have expectations of you. They have expectations of you based on their needs, based on their desires. And people are also extremely nosy. And so what I've been doing in, in these, these podcasts, you know, as I develop more content, as I begin to talk about more things in a structured way and, um, and get, you know, have guests and things like that, um, I want this to be therapeutic. This is not therapy for y'all because I'm not a therapist. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're having problems, you know, you need to go see a counselor and I recommend it, but this is therapeutic for me because regardless if only one person or 100 listen to this podcast, I will have said what I needed to say and I can leave it at that. So, in looking at my fears, I'm learning to let go. I'm learning to let go, not necessarily of the fears, but of the expectations that have been placed on me by other people, by society. And what I want to say to people and their expectations, you do not own me. You do not have ownership of me. You cannot tell me where to go. You cannot tell me when to go. You cannot tell me who to love. You cannot tell me who to pray to. You cannot tell me who to worship. You can't. You can't tell me any of those things. There are people in your lives, in my life, who live and we well, we exist in their heads based on speculations, on secrets, um, and it's it's all so messy and muddled. And, you know, I began to realize that I couldn't even be myself because I was trying to live based on the expectations of friends and family members. I was afraid to love because I was afraid that friends and family members would see me differently. I was afraid to worship and pray the way that I believe because of friends and family members and I still I still deal with those things. I still I still struggle with those things and I don't think that people realize that you might not pick on someone, you might not call someone a name, you might not go out of your way to mistreat someone. But sometimes you can mishandle people. And the way you mishandle them, the way you mishandle the things that they share with you, you might not realize that you're their abuser or that you're their bully. And so 
you know, in my life, I've, I've, I've tried to be extremely open with people who I care about. And sometimes that's not, that's not easy. Sometimes the people that are closest to you are the ones that can hurt you the most. And so you develop that outer shell, that hard outer shell, because you're afraid to let anyone else in. And you're afraid to let anyone in because you know the second someone penetrates that outer, that, that hard, hard outer shell, it's chaos. And your outsides, your insides come oozing out. I've been afraid to live my life. And I'm 34 years old. I've been afraid to share the most intimate parts of myself with people. Because people feel like they have ownership of you when they know something about you. When they've shared intimate moments with you, they feel like they own you or they own some part of you. When they've done things for you, they feel like they own some part of you. And I'm here to tell you and I'm telling myself that is a lie. It's good to, you know, it's good to want the best for people. But be careful in wanting what you think is best for them, wanting your best for people, because your best might not be congruent to their best. Those two things might not line up. And these podcasts, as I said before, they're therapeutic for me, but it's not about calling people out. It's not about being messy. It's not about, you know, letting people know without saying their names where they stand with me. But I have to say this today. My life is not up for discussion unless I'm a part of the conversation. Who I love is not up for discussion unless I'm a part of the conversation. My sexuality, unless I'm a part of the conversation, is not up for discussion. My religion, unless I'm a part of the conversation, is not up for discussion. Now, you might say, how are you going to tell me not to talk about you? But if you're talking about me, just know that you're only telling half the story. You're only telling half the story. And you might not even be telling the proper version of the story. What I'm doing is taking back who I am from people who have said what they said about me, done things to me. And you know what? I'm not I'm not innocent. I've done things to people, too. And I'm also working on going to those people and and rectifying those situations because it doesn't do me any good to to speak about you know the things that I've gone through without boldly going to people and saying you know what I didn't do this right that's probably why that podcast got deleted in the first place because I can tell (laughs) y'all the one before that I was going uh, not on a tangent but I was I was celebrating something that didn't need to be celebrated and I was feeling butterflies that were probably really just moths. But <laughs> um, this this episode may seem all over the place, but I want us to be fearless, man. I want us to be fearless and and stand up to our nightmares. Stand up to those people who are our nightmares. And I want us to let go of, of, of those situations or those people. 
those people who instill fear in us. Those people who have bullied us, those people who feel like they always have to have something to say about us because our names are so sweet that they can't help but keep them on their lips. Man, I love y'all so much. Thank y'all for listening to me. I promise that there'll be more content, there'll be more structure, and I'm working it out. So love on yourselves this weekend, you know, love on your family members and your friends and and keep the right people around you. You know, check on your family members, check on your friends, you know, check on your neighbors. And the most important thing is don't forget to check in with yourself. I love y'all. Peace.